Okay, what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tupperware Jair. This is Tupperware Jair, where you always take something with you. And I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined today by Melissa Shumi-Jones, who's the Public Affairs Officer at the U.S. Embassy in Maseru, Lesotho. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Jeremy. I'm really excited. This is my first podcast. Yeah, well, I'm happy to offer you the chance to (laughs) (laughs) to talk and to get your feet wet in the podcast world. You and I met briefly before I jump into the agenda. We met um, because the U.S. ambassador to Lesotho came with her team, with you and several others, to come and talk to the Peace Corps volunteers who lived in my district. Right. Or at least three of the Peace Corps volunteers. (laughs) Yes. So she, yeah. um, we came out to, to Laribe when she was um, as part of her 10 district tours. So she went to all 10 districts of Lesotho in her first year. And so we were there meeting with a lot of different folks. We were meeting with the district administrator. We were uh, visiting PEPFAR sites and other um, visiting MCC built clinics. So a lot of the U.S. government funded programs in Lesotho. But no matter where we were in every district that we visited, she would make a point. We'd invite some of the volunteers that were available and close to town so we could um, check in with them, see how they're doing, and so the ambassador could say hello and say thank you for your service. Well, I, I just want to say me and the two volunteer, the other two volunteers who were invited were very happy. I'd be remiss if I didn't say, though, that some other volunteers were upset that they weren't invited. Okay, well, then they should blame the Peace Corps <laughs> office. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let them know that. We there. try to see everybody. But... <laughs> no, for sure. So today we're going to talk to Melissa about her background, why she decided to join the Foreign Service, maybe um, about U.S. foreign policy in Lesotho, the specific objectives that the U.S. Embassy has there. What is life like in the U.S. Embassy? Like, what what does the day-to-day look like? What does her work entail? And then at the end, we'll jump into a little fun with numbers game. Related to Lesotho Yes, okay, okay, this is stressful. I have to do well at that? All right. You have to, otherwise you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking, of course. From the podcasting. From the podcast. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. Right. So if you're ready, we'll jump into it. So I'm originally from Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota, and I, I grew up, went to school there through, the, through high school. I was always somebody that really enjoyed languages. I loved my Spanish class is what I studied studied the most, and I loved learning about um, other countries and um, and speaking languages. I, I really loved that. Uh, so for me, Spanish was always my favorite class. I also um, had the benefit, one of my mom's cousins uh, was a foreign service officer for many years. She just recently retired. So tangentially, in my, in my worldview, um, I knew about this cousin of my mom's who had this really interesting job and she lived in faraway places. She was a Russian, uh, Russian speaker and an expert in Russia. So she would come back every once in a while. So I just had that even as a little, little kid knew about that. You know, there's a lot of different things. My, my family is not in, in, um, in the foreign service world or in the international affairs arena, but I do have uh, a lot of nurses in my family. Um, a lot of people that have have worked in local government and, um, a lot of service jobs like that. So, um, that, you know, job, public service yeah, type activities. Yeah. So, so. You, grew, you grew up in the public service, civil service world and just, that. just, yeah, just knowing that and, and, and being familiar with that. But I really think it was the lo- my love of languages. So when I went to, to do my undergraduate, I went to Smith college in, in Northampton, Massachusetts. And I had, you know, I was interested in, in a lot of things. I'm interested in languages, interested in music, um, a little bit in theater and also in political science. But really, for some reason, when I stepped on campus, I said, you know what, I'm going to be a, a government major and I'm going to do that. And so I was interested in learning languages. I did some summer school um, when I was back home, 
to learn Italian. And then I thought, oh, well, why don't I go study in Italy? Um, I'd always thought I was studying comparative politics, Latin America. That was really what I um, I had sort of maxed out of the Spanish classes okay. at school. So I said, oh, I started taking Italian. And then they said, no, you can only go for a year um, because we have this program there from Smith College that's been in existence since I don't know, the 1930s or something. Um, and so we were adamant that our students go on this program because it's the best there is. Yeah. I was like, no, I can't. I've got all these other things to do. But I was like, well, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I ended up spending my junior year abroad in Florence, Italy. And that sort of solidified to me this 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 love of living abroad, this love of um, communicating with people, sort of the challenge that going to a new place and not just visiting. I'm not a tourist. I have to do, yeah. I have to live, I have to, to live in the place. I have to make my way here, make friends, understand the culture and the people that I'm working with. And I love that challenge. And I love the challenge when it's in a foreign language. That's not, uh, not the case here per se, you know, that, that, uh, I love that every, every day I got another little clue, a little piece of the puzzle. So I could talk to a taxi driver and he would go off on a tangent about, you know, um, Garibaldi and, you know, Machiavelli or whatever it was that he was talking about. But the, the, the cultural reference, you know, a couple of days later, maybe it would come up in something else. And I just, I love that. That's what I love about um, living overseas. And yeah. then, um, and after that, I uh, applied to an internship um, with the U.S. Embassy and uh, with the State Department, the Department of State, which is our home federal agency in the United States. It's like the Ministry of Foreign Affairs for people that are in a parliamentary system or a ministry system. So I applied for this internship um, program. Um, thanks to my mom's cousin, you know, she kind of said, hey, if you want to try it out, this is a way. And I was offered an internship at the political section of the U.S. Embassy in Rome after, right oh, after wow. college. So really, I just kind of went straight into one of the most exciting and interesting environments and and. After that, I was hooked. There was no going back. Um, and I actually yeah. applied to the State Department um, as a civil servant after that internship because I knew that was what I was meant to do. Yeah. Well, it's amazing when I talk to people who, especially people like me and you and mm -hmm. people who are interested in international work and travel mm -hmm. and things like that, they can almost always point to a specific trip that they took or a specific mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. when they were abroad, when it really clicked for them that that's what they wanted to do for the rest yeah. of their lives. And so it's it's fun for me to hear about your experience in Italy because it sounds like that's what really fueled you. Yes, absolutely. Going into the absolutely. Future, Just yeah. knowing that that I could ex could excel and and we took we took courses at the University of Florence, um, very different than other study abroad programs and that we lived with families. We spoke, we took a pledge to only speak Italian. And I loved that. Um, it was just, it was just very intellectually stimulating to be living and working in another language. And so that's really where. Yeah. And sure. that's where it all started. <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Okay. So, so now you live in Lesotho. Yes. You work at the U.S. Embassy in Maseru, yes. the capital of Lesotho. Yes. First off, how long have you been in Lesotho and what has your experience been okay. like so far? Well, I should sort of preface it that I've been with the Department of State for um, almost no, more than 17 years now. Okay. Um, so I first joined as a civil servant. 11 years ago, I joined the Foreign Service. Okay. So this is my fifth tour in the Foreign Service. And the Foreign Service is equal to the Diplomatic Corps. That's the, the, the Diplomatic Corps for the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so this is my fifth tour. And uh, Where have your other tours been? So my first tour was in Jakarta, Indonesia okay. as a vice consul. My second tour was in Lima, Peru as a cultural affairs officer. Then I was back in in the U.S. in the Washington D.C. area for two for four years, and I uh, had two different jobs. I worked in the Bureau of African Affairs as the speechwriter and press officer, and then I was also uh, for a while I worked at our training institute, the Foreign Service Institute. 
Um, and then now here I'm in Lesotho and I'm the public affairs officer. So I arrived in August of 2017, which seems completely improbable to me that it's already nearly two years. Yeah, um, yeah. I was just... So a month before our group arrived yes, for Peace yes, Corps. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So a little bit before. So you and I have been in Lesotho for roughly the same amount of time. Right, okay. okay. Yeah, exactly. Just cool. just for those who are, who are curious, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're asking about my work. What uh, what I do there, or, or just yet. your? No, <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get there. Okay. Outside of work, what has mm. your experience been like in Lesotho so far? Just well, in generalities. You know, I oh, just in generalities. Well, so my my life really revolves around Maseru. I don't get out as much as I like because um, I work so hard, and I have two small children. So I'm here with my my family, uh, my husband, and my my two daughters. So. You know, it's 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 a wonderful place to be. The winters are cold, and we mm. came we came um, in August. So for people that are thinking, people that are our list our listeners back in North America <laughs> will not know that that is just absolutely the the most freezing cold time mm. in this to do. You know, it it's been a fascinating experience, it's been a huge learning experience. I have a big um, portfolio. I think what's fascinating here is it is a small town. You know, people people know who you are know what you're working on. And um, and I haven't had that experience. And we're, and we're talking about this is the capital. This is the capital where, of Missouri, where you yes. can say that you can't say that in a lot of capital cities. No, no, no. Yeah. You definitely probably not in Jakarta and Lima. No, and, yeah. no, no, no. That's the interesting thing. So my little circle of of where I go um, within Maseru is, is is small and and really um, it's a very family friendly sit town or city, and and we have a really incredible expat community and, and embassy community so it's 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 been a real treat to be here yeah i i've always compared it to Maseru is the the smallest big city you can think of like it's <laughs> yes, it's yes. by far like the mm-hmm. the smallest capital city i've i've ever traveled mm-hmm. to so it's just, it's weird for, it's a weird thing to think about because when i always picture the capital city it's like a huge thing lots mm-hmm. of people it's it's a it's a family environment it too, is. which i it appreciate is. yeah um which is funny because i live in Flotse in Laribe. Which I get a similar feel to. Right. It's supposed to be a major urban center, right, a lot of right, commerce, right. trade, yeah. people coming and going. Mm-hmm. And yet, I know literally almost every single person that lives there, yeah. just because it's like it's so small and so intimate. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about the U.S. foreign policy objectives in Lesotho. Mm-hmm. I know uh, for a fact HIV and AIDS is a big one. Yes. Uh, I can imagine business development, trade, tourism, all these kind of things mm-hmm. kind of fall into the same category. Talk talk a little bit about U.S. foreign policy in Lesotho. Well, I think the best way to sum it up is that, you know, we've had diplomatic relations with Lesotho for more than 53 years. And then this dates back to um, just shortly after Lesotho's independence. So we have a, a very long history um, and relationship here. I think the way you describe it best is that we're here to support Lesotho and work with Lesotho um, to promote a healthier, more secure and more prosperous country. And so that takes on obviously a lot of different different forms and, and along the lines of what you mentioned, but definitely saving lives through PEPFAR and supporting the health infrastructure and working with our Basudu counterparts to get to epidemic control by 2020, which is in about 18 months, um, <laughs> the end of 2020. It's, it's so it's definitely up. you know an, an urgent urgent priority for the United States for PEPFAR and, and for our partners. The other things I would say is is supporting Lesotho's process of national reforms. It's an ongoing process, so we're very much closely watching that as are Lesotho's other diplomatic partners and regional bodies like like SADC, which is the Southern African Development Commission. 
or committee, commission, commission, Com- conference, community, community. community. There oh, we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> I always get that wrong because they have yeah. all these acronyms with different things. But yeah. We just call it SADC. So, as well as, of course, promoting business and trade opportunities. And so, from that perspective, of course, we're looking at opportunities for U.S. business. There's a lot, I mean, there's a huge amount of untapped potential economically here in Lesotho that, you know, that is a bit hard for American companies to get into because it is, it is distant and it has specific challenges given its geographic location and its relationship with South Africa. But that's also about, um, about trade agreements like the African Growth and Opportunity Act, AGOA. So, you know, we're working with, with them, of course, to trying to get them to diversify in terms of their industrial sector and all those kind of things. And then there's a whole ream of other things that fall into a category sort of, of building capacity and promoting opportunity, focusing on, on youth and women. And that's a lot of the work that I do in public affairs. So there's really a lot of different things, but I think um, if, you, if, if we had to, if we had to go with our top three, it's really the, you know, the supporting the reforms, saving lives with PEPFAR and also, um, you know, promoting trade and, and business connections. Yeah. And just real quick, so mm-hmm. Pep, PEPFAR is the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS. Plan for, yes, yeah, yes, I forgot yes. the second piece. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So PEPFAR's it, been around for 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's all about, it's funding for projects to help alleviate the AIDS. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Just for those who, who may for not have a strong, know, strong, have a health. Hopefully if you've been listening to the blog, you know what PEPFAR <laughs> is. But, Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry, the podcast. Did the, I say blog? You said blog. So I was, I was going to, really I was going to, <laughs> I was, I was going to ignore it and move on. And now it's out there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So uh, along those same lines, um, in, in your opinion, why is it important for the U.S. to maintain relationships with countries like Lesotho, mm-hmm. who are smaller, mm-hmm. have a much smaller population, uh, GDP is, mm-hmm. is really, really small, and, and maybe it doesn't, couldn't benefit the U.S. on the same mm-hmm. level as like a much larger, much more, uh, I guess, economically diverse country could? What, what is sort of the benefit beyond just... We we're just here. Uh, we're here in, right. in uh, sort of the philanthropic side of it, I guess. Yes, there's a lot of different different ways. It depends on what your perspective is in terms of why the benefits. But certainly, the United States has diplomatic relations all over the world, and that reach, that connection, and that sustained support for our partners and sustained diplomatic relations is something that I think, as a country, we we can and should be very proud of. I'm the type of person, as, as many people that, that go into the diplomatic corps or care about, really believe that we are all connected on this planet. You know, not in a weird, like, butterfly effect or whatever, um, <laughs> the, creepy the thing mother. like that. Yes, but that, you know, that, that we have a responsibility and it, we benefit when when other peoples are healthier and have, you know, are more secure and, and, and can, can prosper in their own way. So, you know, that can be from creating markets for American goods or American ideas or, or um, you know, for us, obviously, in the State Department, it also is about spreading de- democratic values and, and, um, and sort of that unity of, of, of nations. You know, I also I strongly believe in you know in our responsibility on the humanitarian side to to help save lives and help ensure that that we are sharing knowledge you know in terms of medical technology and and practice and things like that. You know, if you look at it this way, like I don't know who the next um, you know I don't know who the next Bill Gates is. I don't know who the next you know Jonas Salk or Madame Curie or whoever where they're <laughs> going to come from. Yeah. Um, they certainly could come from the Sutu, and we want to be able to give them opportunities 
to to um, you know young people especially to to study in the U.S. to um, and that's a, that's a cultural thing. That's a that's a political connection thing. It's also an economic thing. You know, we, foreign students contribute to our economy in that way by by attending university in the U.S. So it's all of those things, and I think maybe people think, oh, if it's small scale, does it have the same impact? It's like, well. You know, it's a collective. It's a collective thing. Yeah. So, so that's what I would say is that yeah. you know we might not be on the front page of the New York Times very often. We are some sometimes. It, you know, it happens. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, but uh, I think the 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 consistency, the steadfastness that U.S. diplomatic relations represent is is important and something that I think we should maintain. Yeah. No, I like that. the The idea of the the global community uh-huh, and everyone exactly. has a has a role to play and a part to play. Absolutely. No, that's really cool, though, because I, I think it's easy to look at a country like Lesotho and think that it's seemingly insignificant, especially on the world stage. And mm-hmm. like, why are we why are we pouring tax mm-hmm. dollars into a country that really doesn't matter? But I I, I like the idea of the global community mm-hmm. and everyone has a part, and, and we should if we should have diplomatic ties with countries, especially those countries that share a lot of the same values mm-hmm. that we do Absolutely. and that want, that have the same objectives that we do. So I, I like that a lot. I, that's my long winded way of saying <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. So now let's, let's go more, uh, let's dive a little bit smaller, get, okay. get deeper okay. in, into the world of uh, FSO foreign service officer, right. which is what you are. Yes. You're a public affairs officer, but right. you're more generally, more broadly a foreign right. service officer. Right. So what is life like inside a U.S. embassy as a foreign service officer? What do you work on? Who do you work with? Is there such thing as a typical day? And what, what would that look like? Let's just talk a little bit about okay. that. Okay. So there's different types of foreign service folk, um, <laughs> I guess you would say. Often people think of the, so I'm what they call a foreign service generalist, just sort of your generic, <laughs> hence the name, gen- generic foreign service officer. Yeah. But my cone or my specialization is public diplomacy. And I can talk more about that, but that's, you know, media and press relations, it's cultural and exchange programs and all those sort of things. So there are four other cones with the generalists. You have your political officers, your economic officers, your consular officers, and your management officers. So that's the five cones of the generalist track. And then um, we also have foreign service specialists. So there are, and I'm telling this because I don't know who's listening to this program. And I'm, you know, so I'm trying to recruit at the same time. I think it sounds super exciting. But we also have foreign service specialists um, who serve at our embassies as well. And that ranges for people that are financial management specialists, security professionals, uh, federal law enforcement officers that serve specifically in the the Department of State, um, information resource managers, um, so, you know, your IT specialists um, who are specially trained because there's specific IT components that are unique to a foreign service or an embassy um, function. We have health practitioners, um, which is a smaller smaller group. We have administrative folks that are office management specialists. We have facility specialists, general services specialists, a whole variety of different folks um, that come there. Not all of them are at every embassy, but sort of the generalist functions are as well as some of the, the the central things like security, resources, mm. and that sort of thing. So, so, so real quick, if I can mm-hmm. interrupt you for a second. Sure. Lesotho is a smaller staff, smaller yes. embassy. Yes. How many people are, including foreign service nationals and all those people, how many so people? So we, are- we have less than 100. I think we have maybe okay. 75 or something. And, like and, how, and how big can an embassy get like in terms of like the really large embassies? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I don't even know. We have some very, very large embassies. Um, uh, but they can vary at times. So I think maybe Indonesia was probably. Oh boy, I can this imagine. Is a hard I can imagine. I can imagine really Indonesia. Really quizzing me. No. <laughs> um, 
maybe the fun with numbers is coming right. later, but it's starting <laughs> early. It's so hard. I will yeah. say, I want to say two hundred, or maybe like in Lima, maybe around the same, or two fifty or something. Okay. What okay. what? Remember that it's not just State Department personnel. So in most embassies, you have representatives of other agencies. Here mm. we have uh, a total of five agencies represented, and so we have um, American staff from the Centers for Disease Control, the U.S. Agency for International Development. Who are the other folks that we have? We have the Department of Defense yeah, and the State Department. Okay, those are our five okay. here. So so other agencies will have representatives from ATF or the Department of Homeland Security. They might have uh, the Secret Service who are involved in um, dealing with financial crimes around the world. And this is all based on yes. like what country mm-hmm. it is, what the priorities mm-hmm. yep. are. Those so you have the, the you know the Foreign Commercial Service or the Department of Agriculture. So it really depends on what the policy priorities areas are. So okay. we're a pretty small shop, just because of the size of the country. Sure. And we have some regional support from from the um, the embassy in Pretoria, South Africa. Oh, okay. Who do you work with? Mm. That's, that's I work with everybody. So yeah. in my job, I work with everybody. You know, from our ambassador down to to every member of our uh, of our embassy team. Um, I work very closely with the political and economic section because of, um, you know, the, the things that I do working on speeches or press events or trade issues. But I work with a PEPFAR team very closely because we're work, always working on um, our campaigns and how are we telling the story of, of PEPFAR, which is really the story of the American taxpayers' investment in Lesotho. Um, so we're always telling those stories and also trying to get messages out to, to communicate to our, to our host government what we'd like to see happen and, and advocating for U.S. policy. So I work with everybody in the, in the, in the embassy, not so much like the specific doctors. And we have a lot of specialists that sure. are you know working on yeah. specific sub elements. But if we're doing a program on that, I will be talking to, you know, the, the, the specialists in that area. And, and is, is there a typical day for you? Is it, is it like a typical office job, nine to five, that sort of thing? Or? Never. <laughs> there is no such I think thing I knew the answer to day. that. But, yeah, I think yeah. That, was a, that was a nice setup to say, no, it's not typical. It's never nine to five. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I think it's a 24-hour job. Hmm. And, um, and I, and I as, as a representative of, of the United States and a representative of the American people, um, I take it very seriously that I'm that I'm representing um, my country all the time. So that includes to the grocery store, you know. That includes, you know, when I'm out and about and how I interact with people. Because in a lot of parts of Lesotho, um, they may not, other than maybe they they know Peace Corps volunteers, <laughs> but they might not have met someone from uh, the United States or from the from the U.S. Embassy. And so, I have to be very cognizant of of what impression I'm leaving and, and and that sort of thing. But there's really no typical day. So I'm responsible for, like I said press and media functions. So that means monitoring the media. I write speeches. I write press releases together with my, my, my team. Um, we manage the embassy social media properties. Um, I'm also in charge of all the cultural and educational programs. So that can be working with our NGO partners and programming partners, our exchange alumni. So it could involve you know reading applications, interviewing, recommending people for programs in the U.S., getting them ready, doing all, we do all the, you know, the logistics and all of that stuff there and, and monitoring my, my grants um, that I have to, to folks to do programming in the, in the areas that are important to us at the embassy. Um, so we have an American corner hmm. at the state library in downtown Maseru. And so that's open, um, you know, 40 hours a week. And so we're always working on the programming there and, and, and the, the services that are available there. I also write proposals to get money. This is what I try to explain to people. Like, I actually have to go. I have to hustle 
<laughs> hustle to get to get to get the to get the money to do the programs that we yeah. want to do. I think uh, people confuse PEPFAR uh, funding uh, with funding that that the embassy has available for programs, and there are two two very different two, things. Two separate things. Yeah. yeah. So there's no no typical day, but also being in such a small mission uh, and having a really incredible ambassador and uh, deputy chief of mission. Occasionally, I'll attend meetings with uh, the foreign minister or even the prime minister. You know, taking notes, or, or on occasion, there are things that I have to brief those individuals on related to my programs and my my um, my leadership are very supportive and, and very willing to mentor and offer opportunities. So um, there could be events like we had a you know a jazz concert of, of, uh, last week, which was pretty rare because it's hard to get um, get such a big program together. But we yeah. did that by working with Alliance Française and the Lesotho National Commission for UNESCO and. And um, it was really awesome. Um, a couple weeks before that, I, I, I represented the ambassador when um, His Majesty came home from the airport or came home from the United States. So we had the welcome ceremony the, at the, the king airport. Of, the king yeah, of Lesotho. The king of Lesotho. Yeah. yeah. So the king of Lesotho, as you know, went to Washington and he spoke at um, Peace Corps headquarters. I remember that. Yeah. He is a huge that was a big, fan. That was a big deal. It's a huge yeah. deal. And um, I mean, it's pretty amazing to have a head of state um, who knows about Peace Corps, cares about it so deeply. I mean, on a, on, a, on a really profound level, I got to to stand on the red carpet and welcome him back. So there's no such thing as a typical day. And, you know, it can extend into, because our diplomatic community is small, fortunately there aren't events constantly. But I also like to do, you know, go to events that my alumni are hosting. They do all sorts. I mean, they're incredible. So they're always doing events, workshops, lectures, all this kind of stuff. And I try to attend what I can, um, you know, when my children uh, allow me to be out of the house. But yeah, so yeah. it's very, it's very busy, but it's, it's, and there's lots of other extra um, additional responsibilities being in a small post because we have to do all the things that an embassy has to do. So um, yeah, it's uh, occasionally feels like, um, you know, my head is going a, a million miles in every direction, a million kilometers in every direction. But, um, yeah. but I, but I love it. There's, I'm, I'm never bored. Yeah. I, I, I never stare at the walls. That's good. That's good. So not a monotonous job uh, whatsoever. No, 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 yeah, no. I like that because <laughs> I think I think it's we get a certain perception, especially because you do have a desk and you have an mm. office, and that's and there's a there's a perception that it's like a nine to five mm-hmm. work job, and 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 people have told us about Peace Corps similar yeah. things where it's like you're you're working twenty four seven, you're an ambassador twenty four seven. Yeah. Sometimes very stressful, sometimes a really great opportunity. So it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear that from the well, U.S. Embassy. I remember one time, I forget where I was, um, or what it was, it was, it was something in, in Washington, D.C. when I was in the civil service. I had a job in a really exciting and interesting office, the operations center at the State Department. And, um, and this is sort of the crisis and communication hub. So we would, you know, we took the calls for the Secretary of State and we arranged those and put, put them together. And I remember meeting someone out there and I was describing, you know, that I, oh, I said that I worked for the State Department and this person was like, oh, I could, I could never be just a cog in the wheel. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was funny because I was reflecting and I had a friend with me that knew the job and, you know, uh, I don't, I was like, oh, well, you know, uh, today I spoke to Bono on the phone and, you know, like <laughs> I've put calls from the secretary through to Nelson Mandela, you know, I... Okay, man, it was a cog, cog, but it was it was definitely a very exciting very, wheel. Very entertaining. Exciting wheel. Yeah. Yes, but, you know, I like a great that. learning experience that yeah. job in particular. That's so. exciting. Mm-hmm. 
So the question that I ask all of my guests, yeah. what is one thing you want Americans to know about Lesotho oh. or to know about Basotho people, okay. the culture, the yes. geography, the whatever? If, if I can't, the, I can't keep it to one. So can I just, okay, yeah. You, yeah, we can, no, we can, we can riff many. on a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, so if someone mm-hmm. say, Hey, tell me about Lesotho, what's the first mm-hmm. thing you go to? Well, I think the most important thing for all Americans is, and I'm really big on the fact that Africa is not a country. You know, it is a very diverse and fascinating continent. And so when, when people say, oh, I've been to Africa, or I've been, I'm like, just, you know, specify. Yeah, <laughs> um, that also drives me that, I think anyone that's been here realizes that. And I think it's sort of this, this sort of intellectual shortcut that, pe- that people take with respect to Africa, because a lot of people don't um, spend a lot of time here or, or, or that kind of thing. In terms of Lesotho, I think, you know, it is a small country, an absolutely beautiful country, with a fascinating history, really unique, um, unique story. And what I want people to know, I guess, is, um, you know, this country far away, you know, that, like you said, maybe it's not a direct, there, there isn't, the reasons why we're here doesn't pop out to you. Yeah, but I yeah. think that, um, you know, people here, Basutu people are incredibly warm, incredibly welcoming. They are, they have a deadpan sense of humor. Like you <laughs> see them, they, you know, they're like very straightforward. But they want the same things that anybody wants. You know, they want an opportunity, like safety where they live. They want to have a political voice. They want to have security for themselves and their family. They want to have access to health care and um, to live healthy lives and for their children to, to have opportunities as well. So I think that's just what I want people to know that, um, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating place. It's The tourism opportunities are incredible. They've got a lot of work to do to get those, you know, to get sort of the, the world class outdoorsy facilities yeah, going yeah. but um but it, it's a truly astonishingly beautiful place and very unique so that's what i would want people to know yeah, yeah. absolutely and mm-hmm. i think anybody who is a listener to the podcast or mm-hmm. to me or to other peace corps volunteers will wholeheartedly back up the, yes. the, the, the rich culture and yes. the beautiful geography and there's no other i mean this the story of the <laughs> history is, is absolutely fascinating oh, absolutely. just how it how it came to be and yeah and uh and you know, if you've flown into Maseru, you know how just striking and, and, and unbelievable or, or, yeah. or driven anywhere in this country. It's it's really, it's beautiful. Yeah. And talk about overgeneralization. When yeah. I would talk to people about Lesotho, it was almost like just assumed that it was a part of South Africa mm-hmm. and that it was, even if it wasn't, it was probably closely tied in terms yeah. of culture mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. No, very, very, very different. different, very unique, yeah. very proud of their heritage, which I, which I really like. Awesome. So... Now, Melissa, if you're ready, we're going to jump into the fun with numbers okay. section. Okay. Lesotho and, edition. And we didn't talk about how beloved and amazing the Peace Corps is here. <laughs> yes. So I should just, for the for those that are listening, I mean, the, the Peace Corps has an incredible reputation. And it's because of people like Jeremy oh. and, and people who really, really um, immerse themselves and really dedicate themselves to their community. So I forgot to mention that. There's a reason why His Majesty and every, every government official um, and any person that you meet um, has, has found fond feelings and, and appreciation for what the Peace Corps has done here. So I couldn't forget to mention that. But now we can have fun with numbers. Yes. Or you have fun with numbers and I <laughs> struggle with numbers. <laughs> no. No, that was great. I really appreciate you saying that. Sure. Um, because I've I anytime I mention I'm a Peace Corps volunteer, like it's just it's such a positive experience. I, I've yet to meet someone in the country who hasn't been impacted or heard of someone who's been impacted by Peace Corps and, and had a positive experience before that. 
Um, so th- that being said, let's jump into it. Um, I have five questions for you. Really, okay. really simple. Okay. okay. There's only one answer. It's a number. Okay. And obviously these are wide varying numbers. Okay. So just get okay. as close All as right. humanly oh possible. Gosh. <laughs> very stressful. You and me, you, you went from so confident yes, to answering right, all these right, questions. Right. I was like, say, um, 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 no comment. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Um, first one's an easy one. It's a toss-up. It's a lob. It's a softball, oh. <laughs> in my opinion. What What is the current population of Lesotho? Of Lesotho? I think, I think it's like 1.9 million. But I always, I always like to say it's over two million because that was like I think the recent census is like, or it's like one point eight seven or something like that. But I still like to say <laughs> a, a population of two million. What that, do you say? Is that like remotely? Close? No, that is correct. Okay. Two, two million two people. Million. Okay. 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 I don't know if that's true from like the actual yeah. last census, but okay. So, so the way for those who who are curious about the geography and the population, all yes. that, it has the same population as New Mexico. In the U.S., but it's the same size geography-wise as uh, Maryland or mm-hmm. or Delaware or one of those two. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one, but it's it's really small, and it shows just how vast New Mexico is. By the way, mm-hmm. it has the same population, and New Mexico is so like much huge. bigger. Yeah. <laughs> side sidebar side note. Uh, number two, uh, in meters or feet? Oh my gosh. Or feet? Oh my gosh. I have I have both. Okay. Uh, what is the highest point? What's the, the highest highest, highest elevation? Oh God. Oh, gosh. Either one. Whichever you're more comfortable with, meters or feet. I am going to be way off. I'm terrible (laughs) at this. Is it like 7,000 feet or something or meters? Or I want to say that Maseru is like 3,000 somethings. Okay. But I have no idea what the highest (laughs) one. No idea. And I don't know if it's meters or feet because I'm I'm not uh, spatially inclined. (laughs) Um. I'm going to say you're incorrect on this one. Oh, dear. It's uh, it's about 3,482 meters. Okay. Um, or le- around 11,423 feet. That's the highest. That's the highest point. Okay, so I had... Uh, which is okay. near... I, I forgot what the what it's called, but it's in Maholong. It's near Sun yeah. Pass. Okay. Um, okay. I, I'm afraid of heights, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, I did not. Um, I know, uh, I know, Fote, where I live is roughly a mile high. Mile high. That's what I was thinking, Denver. right? right. I, I think Masiru is a little bit lower than yeah. that. I'm not sure on the exact elevation, All but right. um, fun fact: Lesotho has the highest low point. Exactly. In the world. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why it's called the Kingdom in the Sky. Exactly, or the Mountain okay. Kingdom. It's it has the the lowest point is the. It's it's really weird to think. It about. has the highest the low highest point. low point. Like the lowest point in Lesotho is uh, is is higher is is like it has no it basically has no lower points so, right, right? right, so right there's right, nobody right. with a lower low point not a higher low i think we just made okay. people more confused yes um okay number three you mentioned uh king let's see the third you yes. mentioned the, his majesty earlier yes. um he has ruled lesotho since when when did oh he start? Well, when that's did a he, trick question. When did he take the throne? That's I, a trick question because he he had a period where he was sort of nominally in charge when his dad was exiled, and then um, that's Mushoishwe the second was exiled, and then he came back. So I'm impressed because I was I was going to mention that there was a caveat to that question. Oh, but, okay. Well, see, you're talking uh, about culture and history now, so <laughs> I know what I'm doing. But numbers, okay. I want to say, I want to say, I think his dad was exiled in '94, so I want to. Is that, I don't know, something around there, like, 96 came back. Yeah. It was not a long time. I mean, because um, the second, the king, Moshoi Shui II, 
uh, was killed in a car accident not that long after he came back from um, from exile to come back yeah. in there. So, so it was not a long period. Yeah. So am I somewhere? You're, 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 you're close. Okay. You're close. Yeah, exactly. So originally, um, I think he was exiled in 1990. Oh. King okay. Letia took took the throne, and then his his uh, father Moshoeshu the second came back for like a I think it was like eight to uh, eight months to a year yes, or something. Very very brief, yeah. like. Okay. 95, 96 time right, frame. Okay, okay. And then let's see, yeah, the third took, took the throne again. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you half credit on that. Okay. Because okay, I'm, impre- I'm impressed by your knowledge of the okay. history and the culture. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I originally wrote 1990 because that was when he originally okay, took the throne. Okay. But right. 95, 96. But I should have known frame. that. I should, you're right. I should have known when he was exiled. <laughs> True. Okay. Um, another elevation question because oh, I, I can tell you're really good at those. Uh, Maletsu Nyani Falls, yes. which is like the main, yes. like the big tourist attraction yes. in Lesotho, located in Samong Kong in Maseru yes. District. Have you been oh, there, by the way? I have been there. Okay. Yes. Um, how high is it? Meters or feet? Oh, good grief! Um, it, it's it has, it has the, well, okay, it has the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest abseil in the in the world. The longest, um, like rappel down. The I have no idea what that means because <laughs> I would not do that. Um, that's just scary for me. Um, <laughs> I want to, oh gosh, you're asking me how the elevation of Melitsunyane falls or the height of the abseil? Both, I think. I think it scales the entire falls. No, 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 but like the elevation is different than the distance. Oh, no, no, no. I mean the distance from the top of the falls to the bottom of the falls. Oh, good grief. I'm going to say 1,100 meters. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't like. What is a normal amount of uh, twenty meters? I really, I have no idea. This is great. A uh, hundred. Uh, <laughs> um, it's hundred ninety-two meters. That's. Just, I mean, that's so similar to what I said. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, you were in the ballpark. <laughs> I will or, never do it. I will never. Or never roughly six hundred thirty feet. Six hundred thirty feet. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's it's substantial. I accept that that. Your answer may be correct. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> or, or, let's clarify, not the tallest falls in the world, but the tallest abseil. Yes. Or the, yes. for those who don't know what abseil is, it's like rappelling down the mountain. Yes, yes. I need more. I want more. Can we do some, like, some more cultural trivia questions? Because I have I have a question. The okay. last one is cultural. Okay, okay. all right. Um, I mean, you, you got to know this one if you're going to work at the U.S. Embassy Sheesh. in Lesotho. Okay. Um, when, when did Lesotho gain its independence from Britain? In 1966. And bam. What a, what a, <laughs> what a finish. you got to finish strong. got to finish strong. strong. Yes. Yeah, that's okay. one. All right, Melissa, thanks again for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Yes. Um, I hope I learned some stuff. I hope our listeners learned some I things. Do. I do. Yeah. yeah. Take good care of Jeremy, everyone in the yes. U.S. when he comes back. And, um, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, just know that, you know, that, that uh, you have – very dedicated American public servants that serve, um, you know, our, our primary function, I guess, in a sense, which I didn't mention is, you know, is supporting American citizens when they're here. And, and that consular representation is, is really vital, but around the world, we, we work very, very hard and we do it because we believe that, that, um, that the values of our country are worth promoting and protecting and advocating for and, and, and developing partnerships that, um, that uh, support that all over the world. So, um, you know, we people don't know as much about the State Department as they do say maybe the uh, the Defense Department, just because we're we're based overseas and it's a it's a different nature. But um, but the people that I work with, um, my tribe in the in the diplomatic <laughs> corps, um, are are really dedicated public servants, and we're really proud to to serve 
to serve the United States. So yeah. thank you, and thank you for for listening. Abs- Thanks, Jeremy. Absolutely. Good, good old fashioned podcast fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. We'll see you next time.